Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. You will love the conversation that I had with Molly DeFrank, the author of Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids. There is a link in the show notes where you can head on over to Amazon, put it in your cart. This book comes out April 19th and you are going to want it to arrive April 19th. But if you are a parent, um, especially of kids 10 and under, I would say just start your two-week tech reset. It's cold turkey. We are in the middle of doing that right now. And then grab Molly's book that's going to help you figure out how do you re-enter the world of tech because we live in a world that really we are consumed by technology. So you can start the two-week cold turkey tech reset on your own, but you're going to want her book um, just to figure out how to navigate moving forward past this point. And I love giving you tools for how to thrive. I don't know if you know this. I haven't shared a ton on here, but I have a ready to thrive school and you can find that at JacquelineWidener.Thinkific.com. I will share that in the show notes as well. And that's where I have my courses. And so I've got the Mama Get Your Life Back course. I have my Ready to Rise course for women who want to kind of figure out what are the gifts God's given you and actually begin to step forward and use them. Um, and then I have my Tangled course that I've talked about lots, just really spending some time identifying what's really going on in your heart and kind of uprooting those things with Jesus. So not only can you find my Ready to Thrive school at JacquelineWider.Thinkific.com, but I'm going to do something I've never done here. I'm not sure why. I haven't thought about it, but uh, I'm going to give you a discount code. So for any of those three courses, you can in the checkout put THRIVE20, and that's all capital letters, THRIVE20, to get 20% off any of those courses. Because really my heart is to help you thrive in all areas of your life. And I know this conversation with Molly DeFrank really is going to inspire, encourage, and equip you to thrive in the area of technology for yourself. Even if you don't have kids, I think this is a great conversation, um, but also in the area of technology for your kids. So listen in and be equipped and encouraged. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am sitting here with the lovely Molly DeFrank. Now, Molly is a mom of six kids. Uh, she has been a foster mom, adoptive mom, and she is the author of Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids. And as we will get going, you will hear that I am just smack in the middle of this two-week um, digital detox with my family, and I am loving it. So I am so glad to be able to sit down with Molly herself. And Molly, just tell us a little bit more about yourself, and thank you for being on, on Ready to Thrive. Thank you so much for having me, Jacqueline. Um, yeah, I love sharing our story. I love helping parents. So, And this is actually the first podcast I've done with a host who's 
in the midst of their detox. So I've been really looking forward to this. So that is awesome. Um, yeah, you said it. I'm a mom of six mom and foster mom. My kids range in age from, um, five to 12 right now. We'll have a 13 year old this year. So, um, but we've fostered kids of all ages up, uh, several teenagers. So we've kind of had it all. Awesome. And I think I saw that you have recently signed adoption papers. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So we signed papers and we're just waiting on that court date. So we're really excited. That's our number six. He's been with us for a couple of years, um, but we're making it official. We're so excited. He's a great kid. That's awesome. Well, I'd love to ask you, um, I know for, for a lot of moms, they have like, okay, having a baby is like, whoa, that's a, a shift. And sometimes people are like, oh, one to two wasn't a big deal or whoa, two to three. What has been the number for you where you've been like, okay, moving from this number to this number has felt like a shift? Or is it just that like keep adding more doesn't make a difference at this point? You know, I have really strong feelings about this. And I really believe one to two was the hardest transition. It was so hard. My first two kids are 15 months apart. So, and we have late walkers in our family. So I had like a crawling 15 month old and a newborn. It was so hard. And then, but then after that, I felt like then we had three in, in three years. That was super hard, but I felt like once you're juggling, you know, it's like, if you're making three PB and J's, what's a fourth, you're making four, what's a fifth, you know, (laughs) you're already not sleeping. That is exactly it. Um, well for me, I think it was definitely two to three. I had my first two kids three years apart. Um, and just their personalities, it worked out super well. And then two to three was like, Whoa. And you know, I remember actually there was one season where Um, when my kids were little, being able to get them on a screen was such a lifesaver because I was like, oh, I can shower. I know you're safe over here. I can do something. Um, and so I had a friend I was sharing this weekend as we're in the middle of our digital detox and she was sharing that she hadn't had her kids watch TV all day, but then she showed me pictures. She's like, but look at this space. And her living room was such a disaster because creative kids make these giant messes. And so it can feel like, and she said to me, okay, I can either put them on a screen and get stuff done, have this clean house, or, um, you know, it's going to be a disaster. And so we will talk about, I don't know if you want to hit that now or just dive into your story, but that definitely, there's a lot of challenges that I think people can hear oh my goodness, she has six kids. She's saying go on this tech reset. Um, Let's just talk about your story and then we'll dive into some of the issues along the way. Sure. Um, Yeah, I, let's see. Well, we started our detox journey about three years ago um, when I had five kids and I was homeschooling two of them. This is pre-COVID, just good old fashioned homeschool for the older ones. And I had two three-year-olds at home, one new-ish foster placement, And it was sort of insane and really scary. Um, So you're exactly right what you were saying about it being messy. And for the short term, it seems really difficult because you can't just kind of pacify them with digital entertainment and it is messy. Um, But for me, I kept getting these, like seeing these behavioral hiccups, these kind of amped up sibling fights that I'm like, ah, this seems like off to me. And I, I'm the youngest of four. So we definitely had our own sibling spats growing up and I'm, my siblings are my best friends now, but you know, I, I look at this going down and I think, gosh, it's worse. It's really bad right after screen time. 
And I didn't know if it was normal or if it is that, was it like this when I was a kid? I don't know. And so every time we'd run into another one of these situations, I would kind of like, ah, uh, you know, that, that feeling of, do we make a big change and make my life really hard? Or do we just like, you know, deal with it? And finally, one day I came home uh, from running some errands and one of my kids greeted me at the door with, can I play on your phone? And it wasn't even like, hi, mommy, or a hug. And that to me, I was like, mm, nah, man, I'm over this. So I called my husband at work and I'm like, uh, I think we need to pull the plug. I think we have to make a big move. Like that was so sad to me to be greeted that way. And he was all about it. And we had kind of tossed the idea around sooner, but he's like, look, you're the one who's, one who's home with them full time. So this is going to have to be, you're going to bear most of the burden. So if you want to do it, that's completely your decision. I'll back you up when I'm home. So we told the kids at dinner that night and they were really not happy about it. We said, guys, it's not a punishment, but we're just going to take a break. We're taking a break from screens. Um, I know it's hard, but they, and there were a lot of tears, of course, it was like their favorite hobbies. They loved it. And just like you said, um, you know, we were on the, I thought like a pretty conservative, responsible end of the spectrum. We were maybe one or two hours a day of screen time. And I would look around and be like, well, this is compared to everyone else. This seems fine, but we were still seeing the behavioral stuff. We were still seeing attentional stuff and, and we didn't like it. So it wasn't until we finally pulled the plug altogether because we had been doing that thing that I, I think most good parents do where they take away 30 minutes here and they add, you know, 30 minutes back here for good behavior. And they, and you kind of adjust, but we were, we were running into that same wall that good parents run into, which is it's not working. We're still seeing the, these behaviors. We're still hearing them complain about boredom. Like, why don't they want to go play outside? That's weird. Like I did that my whole child, what's going on. Um, and it wasn't until we unplugged all of it. And we had this window of time where we could look at our kids and say, Whoa, that's what it was. It wasn't sugar. It wasn't lack of sleep. It was that they were being amped up. That was the thing they were looking forward to. And um, it wasn't until long after our detox, when I saw the changes, started telling friends about it, started taking notes on what do all of these successful detoxes have in common. Um, and then I basically wrote the book I wrote is the guide I wish we had when we started, because I kind of went in blind. Um, and then did a bunch of research and, and talked to friends and started helping friends and then strangers. And so, yeah, it's been a really incredible experience. Well, I love that. Um, it's funny you, when you mentioned that idea of this thing that kids are looking forward to, and I've noticed that in my kids as well, where, you know, they, they like to go to bed late. They've, some of them have often struggled to fall asleep. And so for us, um, we don't, we haven't really had early risers. We've had kids. We've had to be like, get up. It's time to go to school. And so then on the weekend, like Saturday, I'm like, guys, you get to sleep in. This is so great. But then I'll get up and I'm like, oh, you guys got up so early to go have your Saturday morning TV. And, uh, similar to you, I would say we, we limit screens. Like we haven't had, our kids don't own, they don't own a screen. We have like a family iPad. Um, our TV is actually in our basement. So a few years ago, we got our main floor painted um, and we moved our TV from like the focal point downstairs. So that really cut down on things. So I'm like, we're doing great things. Like that's in my mind. I'm yeah. like, this is what we're doing. Our video mm -hmm. game system is from the 90s. Like, yes. And my oldest was like, mom, like she's like the great, the best part about our video games is that like you can't get addicted because they're so, <laughs> like, they're so, <laughs> so it's like, 
I'm like, okay, we're doing all these things like well, yet I still have felt like for all of us, there's been that um, inability to choose really what I'd say is something life-giving. We're just kind of choosing what's easy. Um, And so for the kids, it would be like, okay, we're choosing, can I watch a show? Can I? And I'm like, you know what? I'm making dinner. Sure. 30 minutes here. You can watch this one show. Um, that makes my life easy. This yeah. is so great. And so getting into some of those things. So again, with the Saturday morning, okay, you can watch a bit of TV. Well, you know what? The house is so nice and quiet. We're just going to, re- well, you can watch a little more, right? Like it's those kind of things we were getting into. And so we just came off two weeks of spring break. Our weather here has been terrible. Mm. So we weren't getting outside as much as I would have liked. And there was definitely more screens. So we sat down with our kids and I just said, Kind of like, I love when you have those decision moments that you're like, this is what we're doing. I said, hey guys, tomorrow we're going to start a two-week spring break. And they act, or spring break, a two-week uh, screen break. They weren't actually upset. Wow. Um, and there's been That's very cool. little pushback. Um, you know, the odd time, oh, I wish I could, you know, play this game or do this thing. Um, but for the most part, I think they've really, really enjoyed it. Um, pushing past, they've, there's actually been some naps happening in the afternoon, realizing, okay, maybe I'm listening to my body. I am tired. Um, so I'm going to rest here. Lots of reading, lots of imaginative play. Like there was a few mm. times on the weekend where I was upstairs and it was eerily quiet. And you know that point where you're like, <laughs> as a mom, you're worried. Like you're just yes, like, totally. what is happening? Yep. And so one time I came down and everybody was reading and I was like what what is happening right now like every and my husband had come back he'd taken him to the library um but another time so that was me on Sunday on Saturday I came home I'd been out getting a few things I came home and again I was like what is happening eerily quiet all three girls were in the basement playing together which is not unusual but the amount of together play they had this weekend they ended up having a sleepover together Saturday Aww. night um and I'm I also want to say this because we have been having some behavioral issues with one of my kids and because of those issues it has been causing a bit of a division in our family and so we've been trying lots of things to figure out like we want to be closely connected as family we're doing these things and and yet taking these screens away has really helped them connect as the three of them. Because you know when you get annoyed with a sibling, it's hard to be, you just kind of are like, you're in my space. I don't want thing to do with you. Seeing that shift this weekend was like, okay, we could just get rid of all screens forever. Mm, so so I know that was a lot, but that's kind of uh, where we're at. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate it. And you shared um, a bit of your story. So tell, take me back to that how were the first few weeks? You, you kind of said in your mind, how long did you set up in your mind to go for? So at the beginning, between my husband and I, I think we started in, a Feb- in like mid-February. And we looked at the calendar and I'm like, let's just go to the end of February. So it was, the plan was two weeks. But as we got to the end of the two weeks, it was, it, we had never had such consistently connective times as a family as we did in these two weeks. So we kind of, we were like, why would we go back? Why did we dial it back? And our kids were young enough. And this is what I recommend to parents is 
if your kids are younger, so like 10 and under, and you can leave the time frame open-ended, I recommend that parents do that because you may, and a lot of parents do get to the end of those two weeks and go, why are we going to undo all of this great progress? So once we got there, my, between my husband and I were like, let's just keep going. The kids didn't know that we had an end date for this thing. So we went on and on for months. And then towards the end of that, my husband and I huddled again and we're like, you know, we do like digital entertainment and we think there can be a place for it. It can be really fun. We happen to enjoy Lord of the Rings and Marvel movies and all of these things with our kids. So we made a long-term plan that was sustainable, that kept our results. Um, that's actually what the second half of the book is about. So the first half is walking parents through the detox. And the second half is a sustainable long-term plan because most families don't want to eliminate all technology forever. They just have gone to a, a place, especially in the wake of COVID where they're like, you know, so much has seeped in that we just, it's like little by little, another device, another 10 minutes, another hour. And it's, it's filled, this digital entertainment has filled up all of those sweet places that used, usually like during my childhood and yours, we probably, that's how we connected with our parents. It's the boring parts of the day. That's how we um, connected with our siblings. And as you're seeing in your own detox and we saw in ours too, it's like, we're giving our kids and our family, we're giving, we're bringing that back. And we found it to be really sweet. Um, at the beginning of our detox, we actually saw results pretty much overnight. And I was not expecting that. I planned for the worst. It was one of those things where you tell your kids, we're done, that's it, we've decided. And they freak out and you're like the calm adult in the room, like, nope, this is what we're doing. But on the inside, you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? I'm gonna die. Um, but the next morning we had told the kids, we're like, don't even ask for a screen. It's, it's not negotiable. And if you, you know, it's, it's, it's off the table. So don't even ask. And so, because they knew that they just started playing with their Legos and making forts and all of these other things. And it did require, it definitely made messes to go back to that point. Um, and it did require sometimes, especially for the littlest kids, us to kind of go in and give them like nudges sometimes when they would, if they're not used to having these skills of like boredom negotiation, where they hit a wall of like, well, now what do I do? Um, they have everything they need in their minds and our kids are all wired uniquely. So some of them wanted to go paint. Some of them wanted to cook in the kitchen. Some of them wanted to go outside and look at flowers or whatever it was. And kind of like observing your kids, which is a critical part of the detox, is kind of meeting them where they're at and then kind of nudging them and opening their eyes to what's in front of them. Um, so we found a lot of that. The families I've helped through their own detoxes have found either it's immediate or a couple days um, or within a week, their kids finally, they see a click. Uh, one mom likened it to that like three-day potty training. She said the first couple of days were real rough, but then something happens and it clicks and they get it. So the other point I wanted to make about the messes you were talking about, 100% um, there are going to be messes, 100%. But um, that's a skill that our kids are need to learn. You know, they need to learn. I, I'm explaining this to my kids all the time. You, you need to be a good roommate. Like if you, you're going to grow up, you're going to move out, you're going to go to college, like People don't want to hang out with someone or live with them if you're not a good citizen in your apartment. Like these are habits that we need to build. And so you're practicing those. So you do one thing at a time. And anyway, so these are things, it looks difficult, but trying to focus not on what is seen, but what is unseen to apply that in a different context. Um, yeah. Well, I love um, even just that secondary skill that can be learned there, which is the skill of 
uh, not being overwhelmed by a mess, but beginning to tackle it and, and clean up. And again, sometimes when my kids make these massive disasters, it's like, what does it look like to clean it up together and kind of go in and help them where I can. And that's a point of connection. Um, but also I have found now, uh, my kids are very good at cleaning up their own creations. They're still, sometimes they need some prompting, um, but it's a skill. Like it is just that it, with the first time you do it, you have that sense of like, oh, this is so overwhelming. Okay. So then you learn, all right, I've, I've done this thing. I can now kind of clean it up. Um, I love what you're sharing, especially for, like you said, parents of kids under 10. What would you say, right? Because there's so much we can do right now. What would you say to the parent who's listening who's like, great, but my kids are teenagers. They have their own phone. It's not working. I don't like it. I don't know what to do with them. What would you say to those parents? That's a great question. Um, And the book itself is geared probably to parents more like zero to 12 or 13. Um, However, the principles can really be applied to anyone. The last chapter is about parents and their use of technology. Um, But speaking to parents of older kids, you know, as the role of, of parent changes, as our kids grow older, you know, at the beginning, it's kind of that like commander, pure authority, like don't run into the street, you know, don't drink the Windex. They kind of have to do what we say. And, um, it transitions as they get older to kind of more mentor, coach, um, that kind of thing. And while we still have that authority role in their lives, it is sort of tapering off as they plan to fly the coop at 18. So, you know, bearing that in mind, it is a little different for our teenagers because they have more autonomy and that's good. They should. Um, but I, I really recommend bearing that in mind that parents of tweens and teenagers, especially if they have their own phone, that parents get a little more skin in the game because of their mentor role in their kids' lives. So for example, um, well, and imagine it more like, like you're recruiting someone to do a whole 30 with you, you know, with those older kids, it's like, guys, I've been reading about what, you know, the impact of screens is having on kids and especially teenagers. And I actually really wanted to pick your brain about this. Like, have you ever noticed that your friends are depressed or anxious? Or have you ever noticed that your friends sometimes like ignore you um, when you're around them because they're staring at their device? Or have you ever seen me do that to you? I want to be more aware of this. Like, have you noticed that? I feel terrible. Like I want to stop that. And it's such an addictive technology, you know, just kind of owning, like having some humility about it. We're all human people. We're all battling this um, attentional, you know, vacuum that we're in, that we're holding in our hands. And so kind of approaching it with humility and getting some skin in the game. So, so if you're willing to say to your, your teenagers, like, gosh, I want to do this two week challenge where we kind of detox. And I know that you're part of your life now. It's really less, less for your small siblings, but for you, that's how you socialize with your friends. So we want to be able to we want you to be able to have that, but pick an aspect of it to kind of help refresh our brain. So here's what I was thinking. Would you guys be down for two weeks, no social media, no gaming, like a challenge? We'll do it as a family. And what do you think about that? I think we might really like it. Would you be willing to try it? We can ask some of your friends if they want to do it at the same time. So it's definitely going to be more of a recruiting someone like a, um, like a beckoning than a commanding. Um, and 
um, yeah, definitely get some skin in the game. So that's what I recommend for older kids. Well, I love that. And even as, as you were sharing your response, I was remembering, so we haven't had, my husband works for an organization called Young Life and every summer we are at camp and we haven't had camp the last few summers, but we will this summer. And one of the things that happens is, um, all the kids put their phones in the safe in the room. They lock them up for the week. And so at first it is, here's the funny thing. It's hard on the kids at first. It's actually hard on the parents. And so if I know the parents, they'd often be texting me, how's my kid doing? What's going on? And I mean, it makes sense. But um, one of the common responses from teenagers after their week at camp, they get their phones back on the bus, is some of them have said, I don't want it back. Mm. Like I, can you hold on to it for me until I get home? Um, Because they have had that week-long detox. Um, They sit around the table at every meal, sometimes with their leader and their friends, sometimes with other people, and they're experiencing awkward silence. They're experiencing eye contact. There's all these things, but I think part of what I've heard you share about as well is this idea of a dopamine reset. And so um, my hope is that parents of teens would listening would feel encouraged um, that it's not too late and that your your teen might actually want to do something like that um yes it might take I think what Molly was saying was that humility might take some um creativity but also even I've said to my kids um when they've said mom when do we get a phone I've been like mom needs to get a hold of her own phone usage before you get one like we need to this has been a problem here and so just we have a pretty open dialogue about um, my phone usage and what we want um, for screen. So I think being able to have that and, and really create that open dialogue with um, your teens. I'm also a high school teacher. And so I it breaks my heart um, seeing kids on their phones all day long in the halls, in the school. It is, um, there's definitely something, something that is happening in their brain, but can be, um, change. So tell me about neuroplasticity and tell me about dopamine. Yeah, no, that's really good. And this is stuff that I kind of have, had understood a, a piece of it just through like foster parenting and training. Um, but after we detoxed our kids and then I started writing about it and then I started reading, you know, tons and tons of books about it, seeing, wow, the science supports this. Um, and learning that, gosh, the, the engineers who create our kids' apps and games, they have learned so much about the way the brain works and about how dopamine, that feel-good neurotransmitter is released um, whenever we experience anything pleasurable. So, you know, you're going for a walk, you're hugging your loved one, um, tasting something delicious, dopamine is released. Well, what they've done is they've taken what they know about that and they've baked dopamine release points into these apps and games. So we've got the best and the brightest using this technology um, and what we know about human psychology and they're putting it in your kids' devices. And then we're buying it, the devices and giving it to our kids for Christmas. And what shot does a kid have against, you know, these tons of brilliant engineers putting, monetizing your kid's attention. So um, it really does take us, it requires us to kind of roll up our sleeves and, and um, make decisions to put those friction points in for our kids because what we're seeing a lot of the times too is, um, especially through the course of the pandemic, kids' screen time has doubled. Um, 12-year-olds are spending eight hours a day on digital entertainment. So that's not even including time spent for um, school or homework. It's just entertainment. And 
So their brains are being continually bathed in dopamine. And when you take it away, actually what you're seeing and when the kids are in a bad mood or they're ornery or grumpy, you're seeing a dopamine crash in real time. So that's why kids kind of lose it after screen time. Um, so when you detox your kids, when you're pulling the plug for two weeks, you are bringing their dopamine levels back, back down to normal real life. So you're giving them a chance to rekindle a love of going for a run, of playing a board game with mom and dad. All these things that they would complain are boring if daily screen time is an option. Um, and, it, and truly, like the brain science is showing us that, yeah, it is it is boring compared to that because it's not releasing the same amount of dopamines. Um, scientists have shown us that dopamine receptors are actually going numb because there's so much dopamine getting released that it, you know, it's like any addictive pull. Now you need more in order to experience the same amount of pleasure that you once had from less dopamine. So this is what's happening inside our kids' brains. But you said something earlier about having hope. Um, and that's what I hope that parents hear is that there is a way out. And because like you mentioned of neuroplasticity, because our brains are able to be rewired, um, there is hope and there is a way out. And honestly, the change in the switch is simple. It is so simple. And that's what I think is the most life-giving, hopeful thing about it. Just like you said, you lock those kids' phones in this box for a week and they come out of, of that um, addictive whole and they're feeling better and they're happier. We've experienced the same thing with foster teens we've had in our home. They've come back and told me like, I surprised myself. Usually I'd go in my room and sit on my phone, but I just, I liked being there with you guys. And I'm sitting there looking at my husband, like we made peanut butter and banana sandwiches and went for a walk. This isn't like rocket science. This is a very simple time old connective tools that we have at our disposal. And unfortunately we're not using them because our kids are you know, they're pushing back on us when we try and take it away, but they need us to do that. They need us to be the parent to get that clarity and not again, not to remove it forever, but to make a long-term plan where technology is working for you and not the other way around. Yeah. So good. Um, my husband is in a great job of his own, um, phone habits. So years ago he would be on his phone all the time for work. So really being available all hours, and he made a decision where he, it took him a little while to kind of train people he was working with that he would be off. But Friday <clears> night, <throat> he powers off his phone. Uh, we bought a home phone maybe two summers ago. And so that if I'm out, I can, um, Molly just picked up the world's largest. Is that, a, is that, <laughs> that's so distracting. Is that, is that a water bottle? I'm so sorry. Is it that, is so big. I ordered as this, big as your head. It is huge. I ordered it on Sam's Club and it it didn't look this big. I actually bought a twin pack. One of them's black and I gave one to my oh. husband. He's like, I'm not carrying that around. How how many ounces is that? I don't even know, but you know, it really does hydrate me. Oh, so I, was... it doesn't say I'm real. Oh, that was sorry. so funny. Um, <laughs> at first I thought it was an optical illusion. I was like, I think that I can't not say something. Um, the world's largest water bottle. You it can is. get it at Sam's Club. Um, anyway, so he, we got a home phone. So if I'm out, because again, anytime you are adjusting, you need solutions. So for things like music, okay, if we're not on our phone, like how do we find those solutions? So we got a home phone so I can call him, um, when I'm out and he has his phone off. So Friday night powers his phone off 
Generally speaking, it doesn't get powered on until Sunday after church, maybe in the morning. Um, but it was like, mm-hmm. whoa, you and and that's scary to actually turn your phone off because you have that feeling of like, I need to be reached. Um, was definitely scary, but that was something it was like, no, you're you are modeling this um to our kids. You were doing this for your own mental health for all of these mm-hmm. reasons. And so yeah. I think I've even mm-hmm. noticed in I've been doing some of my own um tech reset and one of my personal goals is really to not have my phone um around my kids Mm -hmm. at all not have them see my phone now they will I will still have you know text somebody or call somebody there's things that we need our phones for and so I'm still I'm on that Mm -hmm. journey of what does it look like to live with technology have it work for me and so I would just love as kind of we close here what are things you have found have worked for your kids, for your family to reintroduce technology? Mm-hmm. And what are some of those kind of boundaries you've put around technology? <clears throat> that's so good. And that's that's the question. Um, and the beauty of it is that no one knows kids like their parents. You know your kids best. So when I have helped people through their detoxes um, and as families create their long-term plans, they're going to look a little different in every family. And that's beautiful because parents know their kids well and they know what they need and they know that some kids struggle with even a little bit, it's going to take them out of whack and some kids can do well with more. So it's definitely a beautiful thing to individually tailor your plan for your kids. For us, um, I read a lot of books throughout this process. One of the ones that I really loved was the Andy Crouch book, um, the TechWise family. And he talks a lot about putting technology in its proper place, I think is the subhead. So really trying to develop a posture of putting the screen time in its in its right place and what that looks like for each family. And for us, where we've landed is um, we want to use technology to connect with each other and we like to use it to create. But when it comes to isolating and consuming, we don't really want to do that. So um, our long-term plan right now for us, it looks like sometimes we don't we don't do weekday screen time for the most part, with the exception of at the end of the night, we we eat family dinner and then we do dishes together. Um, sometimes we'll watch a, sh- a family show together, like guys' grocery games or something like that. Um, and or sometimes we'll do like a read aloud. So we we kind of mix it up, whatever we feel like. But we're doing that together. And then our, my big kids, my big three, will get an hour of of an approved video game once a week. So on the weekend, and that, we don't let them do that on weekdays. Um, and that's been working great in our family. So we're going to have to continuously reassess this as the kids get older. Um, but the good news is that we have, and, and for, you know, parents like you and me, our kids are at this age where, and I'm thankful because the iPhone came out in 2007 and the iPad came out in 2011. And so for the last decade, there's almost been like this giant experiment on our kids. And a lot of parents have bought into the marketing of, well, in order to get ahead, we need to give my kids a, these, this technology sooner. That's how they get ahead. And we bought into that marketing and me included, like I gave my kids tablets when they were little. Um, but we've had this decade to look back and say, well, how is that working out? And, and you see mental health crisis among kids and you see anxiety and these doctors are looking back and they're researching it and they're just scraping the surface, but they're attributing a lot of this to kids having too much technology and the opportunity costs. So, um, Anyway, sorry, can you tell I could talk about this all day long? <laughs> well, and I actually wanted to ask you as well about the TikTok ticks. Yes. 
Oh yeah. That's, there was a wall street journal article. I think it was last week. There's a really great reporter at the wall street journal. Who's, who's doing an excellent job covering um, family and technology. And they've uncovered these things that are going on where, where um, let's see, ER visits for tick disorders tripled over the course of the pandemic. And that's for, I think they studied 12 to 17 year old girls. And they were like, what is going on? These doctors are looking at this, like why it looks like Tourette syndrome. And they look closer, they studied it. And they said, this is not Tourette syndrome. It's actually um, like a neurological situation that they have attributed to underlying mental health problems and TikTok exposure to these videos. So same thing with eating disorders. Um, ER visits for eating disorders doubled over the course of the pandemic for 12 to 17 year olds. And doctors, again, are looking at this going, okay, it's um, these kids have a mental health problem that's underlying and it's exposure to this on TikTok. And so we've taken our kids in their most formative years and they're put in a place where it is impossible to find, you know, this is when they need unconditional love the most. And they are put in this world of social media where it's conditional likes and they need their parents more than ever because they're focused on this outward projection and getting likes from people. And what they really need is to know that they're fully known and fully loved just as they are. And their parents can show that to them in their home. But if we're not careful, we will willingly just relinquish these opportunities to show our kids that they're known and loved and we'll hand it over to a place where it's actually just really harmful for them. So getting back to the hope aspect though, um, you know, it can be turned around and we do see that relationship is the key to all of this. So digging in with your kids there, I don't know if you read um, Sally Clarkson and Clay Clarkson, they're such encouraging parents, but they had this observation. It said that kids, that parents have the most influence on their kids between this like golden decade of ages four to 14. And it's when kids are naturally wired to just look for their parents' approval and, and, you know, they, they still think you're cool and all of that. So I'm soaking that in because all six of my kids are in that window right now. So I'm like, oh man, I want to make the best of it. Um, but, you know, wanting to just really use that to, to look in our kids, increase the eye contact, increase those connective moments in the car. Don't waste those times because the majority of our relationships with our kids, they're going to be adults and we're going to be adults. And um, there's so much time for that, like mutual um, stuff later. But for now, they, they really need us to kind of get back in the driver's seat and look at the long view and make the decisions that they need us to make. So good. Um, Friday after school, my oldest came home and she was, so she's going to be 11 this summer. And she was like, what, what are we going to do? Like, and I had this, um, because I knew the weekend would be the most impactful for my kids. Cause the weekend is like Friday night, movie night. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, sure. You can play Minecraft before then. And, yeah. um, and she said, oh, there's nothing I can do. Well, there is something, but you'll probably say no. Like, okay, what? It, well, we could go shopping. So her latest thing is she's into shopping. So I'm like, cute. well, like we could go do that. So the two of us went out and we tried on clothes and we just like had this like, it was really like this sisterly friendship kind of fun oh. night where there was, she's getting to that point of we can kind of laugh and, and even just discuss how do you know if you should buy something or walk away and, and, and how to talk about it. And so it was this fun night and she said to me, yeah, well, there's, there's no point in rushing home because we don't have a movie to get home to or anything. Like we might as well just kind of keep 
connecting and it was it was such a sweet time of connection mm. and yeah we've gone shopping before together and um but there is something different and so I think the two encouragements I'd want to leave with parents are you may be doing a lot of great things like I feel mm-hmm. like we have been but I think um if you're feeling that nudge of we just maybe need a bit of a break and we need a chance to look at how we want to re-enter. How do we want to use technology instead of feeling like it's kind of has that grip on us? Um, and then for the mom listening who feels like um, I, it's either it's too late, I've screwed up, I'm feeling a sense of shame. Um, I just want to release you from that yes. and just say this is a uh, fresh start. This is a chance to say we are going to do some things differently. And I've shared lots of my podcast here about us being in debt and other things my husband and I have talked about where it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter what you have been going through. This is a chance to do a reset, start something new, and you will be so glad that you did. I I love that you said that. And I would just echo that, that if you are feeling the nudge that you want to make a change, but you feel overwhelmed that it's going to be too hard, I would just encourage you that you can absolutely do it. You can do it. All kinds of families have done it. Homeschool families, um, single moms, and we're walking with one right now who's going through it. Absolutely, there are unique challenges there. Um, if you have a, uh, an only child, you can do it. If you have a teen and a little one, you can do it. And no one is in a better position than you as the mom or the dad to take that step because you know your kid better than anyone else. And um, I'd love to help you through that. And you can, you can find me on Instagram or on my website, mollydefrank.com. And um, the book I wrote, it, Digital Detox, is it's the guide I wish I had when we started because I felt a little bit like I was off-roading. And so I, ho- I want to give parents the hope and encouragement that they need. Plus, there are, some, there are some facts in there. I know what I found when I was reading a lot of these books was that there's so much data to support detoxing. There's so much data telling us that kids are suffering from too much digital entertainment, but parents already know that because we see it in the home already. Um, What parents want to know is how do we fix it? And so that's the guide that I wrote is here's how to walk through it. And please note that this is coming from a place of humility. We were all about the tablets, handing over the phone at the doctor's office, all of that with my kids when they were younger. And it, it was one of those things where no better, do better. And we made a course correction and not just because it's, I feel like it's better for their brains, but because we enjoy, we get to enjoy each other more. So waiting on the other side for you is an enjoyment of your kids that I think some families say is lacking. Um, And I'm just excited for you to move forward. And yeah. So good. Well, one of my favorite things that you said today was uh, we're going to connect instead of consume. And so I know that will be the case for you as you go through Uh, Molly's book, Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids. Uh, Molly's book is actually not out yet. It comes out April 19th, but please um, pre-order. Pre-order is actually a really big deal. You get some free gifts when you pre-order. It also just lets stores know like, oh, a lot of people are interested in this. We're going to actually put more in our stores. So pre-ordering is great. Amazon always gives you the best deal. Um, They will charge you the lowest price between now and when it comes out. Plus, you get it right away. So pre-order the book. 
Um, and then leave a five-star review for Molly on Amazon. That's also really key. So those are huge things you can do um, for Molly and um, and even just buy it for your friends. Go through this with your friends and then you guys can talk about it and um, go through this digital detox. So you know how to find Molly's book on Amazon. Um, and where can people find you? Yes, I'm on, uh, my website is mollydefrank.com or you can find me on Instagram, Molly DeFrank, D-E-F-R-A-N-K. Um, I've started posting some of my reels to TikTok in case parents there want some help. It sounds like parents all over the place are needing help. So you can find me any of those places. I'd love to hear from you. I, Jacqueline, I love watching your um, glimpses of your own kids' detoxes. Mm -hmm. So if you're detoxing your kids, um, if you're on Instagram and you're sharing something about that, tag me. I love hearing people's stories. So Yep. So good. Well, thank you, Molly. This has been awesome. And I trust this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you are listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.